Let's now read Psalm 32. A masculine of David. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, dear brothers and sisters, what is the one thing in your life that brings you the most joy? Would you agree with David, there's nothing better than to be forgiven? Is that your greatest joy? Do you know the relief of confessing your sins? Do you know the joy of feeling secure in God's love? Is there anything more important than that? Is there anything more important than having peace with God? Well, in Psalm 32, the psalmist sings about his deep joy and happiness that comes with confessing his sin and knowing that his sin is covered covered by his Redeemer. But this psalm also confronts us with the seriousness of sin, especially the seriousness of unconfessed sin. But it also shows us the joy of confessed sin. And so this psalm reminds us of the blessedness of forgiveness, and that's a necessary as well as a beautiful reminder. So I've summarized the sermon under this theme. The joy of forgiveness comes through the confession of sin, and we'll consider two things. The burden of unconfessed sin and the joy of confessed sin. It's a very beautiful psalm, isn't it? The psalmist, it's ascribed to David and, and, and he very eloquently describes the dreadful effects of unconfessed sin, doesn't he? Verse 3, his bones are wasting away, he's groaning all day long, God's hand is heavy upon him. 
It's quite a contrast to what he writes about in verses 1 and 2. Blessed or, or happy is the man whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. That's the condition of someone who is, who is right with God. The Lord does not count his iniquity against him. There's no deceit in him. Things are good between this man and the Lord. But that isn't always the case. Also in David's life. So he describes what it's like when unconfessed sin creates for him a a dreadful state. He finds himself in a terrible state. There's a time in his life when he tolerated sin. He lived with an unrepentant heart. Now the psalm is not clear about which sin David is referring to. It could, of course, refer to his sin of adultery and murder, but it could also refer to something else. And imagine for a moment what life might have been like for David in, in that moment. Let's, let's just think his, his sin with Bathsheba and his murder of Uriah, her husband. Do you think David, during that time that he did not confess that sin, do you think he stopped going to church? Stopped going to the tabernacle? No longer brought sacrifices? What happens when you refuse to confess sin and and still place yourself under the preaching of God's word? That brings a lot of tension, doesn't it? It exacerbates the problem. You see, it's not that hard to say, I am a sinner. If I asked every one of you individually, are you a sinner? I'm sure you would say yes. But it's quite another to admit a particular sin. And then if there is one sin you don't want to mention, that you refuse to mention, then the Lord is not pleased with you. That's what David found out. He refused to mention that one sin, whatever it was, and so he's unable to experience the blessedness that he speaks about in verse 1. When we refuse to confess sin, we cannot enjoy the blessing of forgiveness. Even if you pray the words that Christ taught us to pray, Forgive us our debts, as we forgive those who are indebted against us. Sometimes those words become rather superficial. It's not that hard for us to leave sins unconfessed. And what is that like then, to live that way? Well, David describes his experience. He speaks about keeping silent. Well, I don't know about you, brothers and sisters, but I can certainly relate to that. We know that we should be saying sorry, but we just can't get the words to come. We know we should ask for forgiveness, but again, somehow, we just can't get ourselves to do it. In spite of the fact that God tells us that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1.10. And the reason we don't experience this has everything to do with that little word if at the beginning of that verse. One commentator writes, this verse is like a very large door swinging on a very small hinge, the hinge being the word if, and the door is the experience of confession and repentance and forgiveness. And so what the psalmist is saying here is if you fail to walk through this door, 
you may experience the heavy hand of God upon you. And so that brings the question, are you talking to God? Or are you silent? Are you neglecting, or even worse, refusing to confess sin before God? And whatever the case was with David, there was something in his life, there was a sin in his life he did not want to confess. There was something that he remained silent about. And he probably pretended to himself and others that this this sin had not happened. Maybe he covered it up. He didn't want to admit it. That's part of our sinful character to be that way. We would not... We would rather not bring God into the problem. Our first parents did that, right? They went scurrying away, hiding in the bushes because they, they heard God coming into the garden. They wanted God to stay out of their problem. And so we tell ourselves, maybe if we shove our sins aside, maybe if nobody else talks about it, maybe if people are willing to put up with it, then, then we can pretend that it's not so bad. And so we refuse to confess when we have sinned and how we have sinned. We are, we are truly stubborn creatures, aren't we? Like the horse and the mule that the psalmist speaks about. We need a bit and a bridle to lead us where we need to go. We're like stubborn children who don't want to confess. That's the last thing they want to do is say sorry. Right? I think the kids understand that. How many, how many kids haven't heard from their parents? You need to go to your brother or sister and say sorry. And you're only going to do it because you get told to do it. And while we're willing to admit that we are sinners, we're, we're often very loath to admit what we've done. And we even get angry when our sins are mentioned. It's not so hard to say I have sinned, but it's, it's hard to admit this is what I've done. It's hard to get specific. We can hardly say the words, I did this or I did that. The congregation, that is what true confession is. And it's so difficult to do because we remain sinners. Our ego prevents us from being humble. Our pride gets in the way. We are so stubborn. Stubborn and stupid like the mule or the horse that needs direction. We would sometimes rather live with the burden of guilt than admit our sin and our failure to the Lord and to one another. And we might ask, like, what, what gets into us to be this way? But it's in our nature. And if the Apostle Paul can write, you know, the things that I want to do, I don't do, and things I don't want to do, that's what I do, then surely that's true of us as well. And at this point in the sermon, it is also very appropriate that we would remind ourselves that right now we shouldn't be thinking about someone else. Think about yourself. Do you see then why it can sometimes be so necessary for God's heavy hand to be upon us? Because if God did not work on my conscience if he did not make me feel guilty, if his spirit did not move my heart, I would remain silent. I would not confess my sins. And that's what happened to David. And and instead of experiencing God's goodness, he experienced God's heavy hand. 
It ate at his bones. It deprived him of sleep. He lost his appetite. He was, he was wasting away like an old man. And maybe some of us know what that feels like. That's what happens when there's friction between people. If you have a falling out with someone, it can eat away at you. When things aren't right between siblings or between parents and children, right, it turns your insides into jelly. And you lose your appetite over things like this. And that's how things are when things are not right between you and God too. And maybe, maybe we're sometimes too stubborn to recognize it. And being stubbornly silent toward God can cause, can cause physical problems. Stomach ulcers or depression or you can't get along with people. And you can try all kinds of things. But if you persist in what you're doing, the results will stay the same. And the psalmist says this results in torture of body and soul and mind. Look at what happened to David. His strength was sapped. He was groaning all day. He's wasting away. What a wretched mess he made of his life. You've messed up. You've fouled up, fouled up and you can't put the words together. And you're stifling your own guilt through silence. And groaning doesn't help. Pressing your guilt down into your subconscious doesn't help. Telling yourself it's not that bad doesn't help. And the result of covering up sin can, can be physical pain and ailments. And you might be able to handle it fairly well for quite a long time, but it will catch up with you. You can't hide it from God forever. You can't keep it suppressed forever. And again, I have to mention a caveat here because we have to keep in mind this doesn't mean that every time somebody is ill or depressed or, or there's something bad happening in your life that that's a direct result of sin. That's not the point of this psalm. This psalm is speaking of unconfessed sin and what that could lead to. So what happens when we keep on living that way, when we're too stubborn or unwilling to confess our sins then the joy of Christian faith and happiness escapes us. But sometimes we, we stubbornly cling to the idea that somehow things will get better even if we don't confess sin. We just can't seem to find contentment because we, we insist on being jealous and envious of our neighbor. We hold on to our grudges and to our anger. And we can't figure out why we're not happy. Our happiness sometimes depends on the decisions of other people, and we can't figure out why we're not happy. It's no wonder we groan when we live that way. It's no wonder there's no joy in life when we don't confess our transgressions. And by now you're thinking, well, that, I'm painting a really horrific picture. And this is very overwhelming. But that's actually the point, isn't it? What is it that brings us to our senses? Even if it seems as if there's no opportunity or chance for change or forgiveness. Look at verse 4. Right? What happens to you? If that happens to you, right? the psalmist thanked God that this happened to him. When God's hand is heavy on him. When he leaves his heavy hand on your life and confronts you again and again with your guilty silence and your lost condition, thank him for his grace. 
You think again to David's sin with Bathsheba. If God had not sent Nathan the prophet to call David to his senses, David might have continued in his sin. That's God's grace that he sent Nathan the prophet to expose his sin. And think about it. Nathan was taking his life in his hands when he did it. And we're the same way, right? Boys and girls, you avoid your parents, don't you, when you know that you've done something wrong and you're hoping your parents won't find out. Are we adults any better? Sometimes we avoid the elder or the minister because we know they might ask us, how are you really doing? But we ought to be thankful when God sends an office bearer to check up on us. Or even when he uses office bearers to lay his heavy hand upon us. That is God's grace at work because he's doing it for a purpose. Think of the parable of the prodigal son. God's calling us to our senses. The prodigal son ended up living in a pigsty with nothing to eat. And then he came to his senses because God's heavy hand was upon him. Thank God that he does that when it's necessary. Because then, he can also, then you can also experience the joy of confession and forgiveness. In verse 5, David acknowledges his failure. I acknowledged my sin to you and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. So he uncovers his sin to God. He takes away that layer. He drops that facade that he's been wearing for so long and he, he opens up to the Lord. And again, I'm just let's take an example from, from real life. Boys and girls, I'm sure that you know what, what this is like. You've done something wrong, and you haven't owned up to it because you're hoping that nobody will find out. And then you hear Dad calling your name. Come here. We need to talk. Right? And then you, then you stand there in front of Dad, and your arms are folded, and you're just looking at the ground. Because you don't want to meet his eye. And dad says, son, look me in the eye. But you don't dare. Because you know that as soon as you look at dad's eye, then the facade is going to drop. You're going to have to spill the beans. And the hardness crumbles. Because you're looking in the face of of a loving parent and you can't hide it anymore. Well, that's how it is with our Heavenly Father. That's what happened to David. And looking into the face of God, he begins to speak. He stops running and hiding. And he brings his sin out into the open. And we know that because he uses some very particular words. First, he uses the word sin, which means missing the mark. right? Straying off the path. I have sinned. I've, I have fallen short of the glory of God. And then transgression, that's that's rebellion, that's refusing to walk in the ways of the Lord. That's sinful self-assertion, refusing to implement in your life what you know God wants you to do. It's telling God, I'm going to do it my way. And then there's another word, iniquity. I would describe it as something inside of you that's all twisted and knotted up, and the more you try to work with it and unravel it, it, the mess just gets bigger. And David uses these words to describe the depth of his depravity. 
He's not just saying I'm a sinner, but he's saying I, I have really messed up. And my actions have incurred God's wrath and affected not only me, but others as well. Sin is, sin is like a three or four headed monster that bites in all directions. And then there is also the word deceit. Blessed is the man in whose spirit there is no deceit. You see, silence and unwillingness to confess is, is deceit. It's, it's not living honorably or honestly before God. And, and we see in the life of David how he wore himself out trying, trying to deny this. And there are times in our life when we have to admit that we've done this too. But this deceit, this, this cheating, that, that's a heavy burden. You, you carry it with you all the time, wherever you go. And then, and then it feels so good when it's discovered, doesn't it? Again, boys and girls, I'm sure you can relate to that. Right? When you finally look into dad's eyes and you have to admit what you did was wrong, there might be a lot of tears. Your dad will be very disappointed, but it's out in the open and, and you can be forgiven. And then it's gone. That's how it is too when we finally break down and confess our sins to God. It's so useless to wear out our lives trying to defend or deny our guilt, or deny our guilt. David confessed, he didn't cover it up, and he experienced God's goodness and grace. You forgave the iniquity of my sin. <clears throat> and so the burden rolled away. And then he goes on to tell, tell others what this feels like. God is truly a hiding place. You can trust him, he preserves from trouble. And surrounds me with shouts of deliverance, confessing, may be difficult, but the reward is great. And you can experience that too, congregation, that same joy. It's hard to do. It's hard to admit when you've sinned, when you've done something, when you've treated somebody badly. But the Lord calls us to do this. But then be assured, be assured, brothers and sisters, boys and girls, that the Lord does indeed forgive your sins. And he takes that burden away from you. And maybe, maybe there's someone here sitting today who's despairing because of what have they, they've done, despairing of God's goodness toward you. Maybe you're thinking, I've done something so wicked, and there's something in my past that keeps on bothering me. I know I've, I've confessed my sin many times, and it keeps on bothering me. And even though you know that Jesus Christ died on the cross for the sins of his people, you think that forgiveness is, is maybe not possible and you're suffering under crushing despair. Well, then listen to the word of God. Psalm 32 assures you of forgiveness because you cannot sin so much that it's too much for God's grace. There is a finite amount of sin because you are finite people, but there is an infinite amount of grace because God is infinite. When you open your mouth in true confession, you will discover the grace of God. Just like the father in the parable of the prodigal son, our father in heaven is waiting for you to come to him and say that you have sinned against him. And he wants you to experience the relief of confession and the joy of forgiveness. But then you also have to do it his way. Let him teach you and instruct you in the way that you should go. Allow yourself to be, to be guided by the word of God. 
and then go to him. Go to Christ who went the way of the cross for sinners like you and I. His sacrifice is the only reason that confessing your sins can make you right with God. That's the point of the passage that we read from Romans 4. The ground for forgiveness lies in the cross of Jesus Christ. And the great burden of our sin can only be lifted from us because there is one righteous man who satisfied God. The heavy hand of God was upon him. And it can be removed from us because it was upon him. Because he shouldered the heavy hand of God. The eternal wrath of God. And that's not mentioned in those kind of exact words in Psalm 32. But it is implied. Psalm 32 does place a great emphasis on our responsibility. It's true we do not receive forgiveness on the basis of our confession. Because the basis of forgiveness is in Christ alone. But we do receive forgiveness by means of confession. The point is, congregation, Christ's sacrifice will not be applied to us if we do not repent. If we refuse to repent. If we're not willing to confess. We know what the gospel is. Christ died for us. He is our substitute. He carried the full weight of God's heavy hand for us. But that doesn't imply that forgiveness comes easily or automatically or superficially. David experienced too that this this was not enough. Going to the tabernacle and making sacrifices is not enough. He had to confess what was standing between God and himself. So, brothers and sisters, let us learn to be concrete in confessing our sins, removing deceit from our lives. Instead, let us be open and honest with the Lord about our sins. And remember the promise of the gospel. Confess your sins in the firm conviction that confessed sins are forgiven sins. We do often struggle with that, don't we? As I already mentioned, sometimes the sins of our past bother us because we don't forget them. But the Lord covers them and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. He removes forgiven sins as far as the east is from the west. He is the one who says, I I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Congregation, believe the gospel of forgiveness and confess your sins in the name of Christ and God will forgive you. And I also want to encourage you to keep up the good fight of faith. Let this motivate us to keep on confessing and continue to fight against sin. By God's grace, sometimes we make great strides, don't we? Sometimes the sins in your life disappear and it's clear you're heading in the right direction. Maybe you've been living in flagrant sin, but then you stop what you're doing. You stop watching porn or, or, you, or you stop being a control freak or, or something like that. You start being thankful instead of bitter. There are moments of times and times of great joy when, when there's clear repentance. But at other times we confess our sins and, and, and it's still a struggle. We all have bad habits. And some of us, we struggle with those same bad habits our whole life until the day of our last breath. And we wonder, why why doesn't God just remove this struggle from my life? The Apostle Paul asked the Lord that too. Remove this thorn in the flesh. 
He asked, he asked the Lord three times. And the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you. You see, sanctification, sanctification is not always a wonderful road of perfect repentance. And as we run the race that is marked out for us, that, that race is often marked not by just success, but often by failure, isn't it? It's often more like climbing a steep, icy path up a, up a steep mountain. And it's slippery, and it's a hard scrabble, it's tough going. And often you lose more ground than you gain. And you slip and fall and slide back, and sometimes you slide off the path. Because old patterns of sin and desire are stubborn. But praise God if you're still trudging in the right direction. And one day you will see your Savior face to face. One day you will be like Him. So don't give up. And keep on climbing. Keep on confessing and you will be forgiven. Even if you have to crawl on your hands and your knees and you're barely making any progress, thank God for the progress. You are still inching your way forward in the right direction. And if you slip and fall off the path, tempted by some false promise, remember, he who began a good work in you will see it to completion on the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one who wills in you both to work and to do for his good pleasure So no, we do not always make steady and predictable progress in confession and repentance, but we do have a faithful God, and he enables, and his Holy Spirit dwells in us. So let us continue to fight the good fight of the faith. He gives strength to the weary. He is the one who says, do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will give you strength. I will strengthen you and I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. My grace is sufficient for you. Amen.